Praise the Lord. That was good, wasn't it? Amen. Good worship this morning and, and a prayer time together and reading the Bible together. That's always a blessing. Well, it's good to be here with you all this morning. Um, what a blessing it is. Thank you, Christopher, for the, for the introduction. And uh, we certainly was a blessing uh, for them to be in the church and uh, the others as well. Before you realized it, uh, there was a vision for a church to be in this area that we wanted to plant. And uh, that was prayed about for a good while. And then finally, we got a guy. And that guy ended up being our son. And I never saw that coming. But that's the way God does things, amen? You're turning with me as I'm saying these things to you this morning to 2 Samuel 22. 2 Samuel 22. We never thought it would be Marshall. We didn't know exactly where he was going to end up as God's calling was upon him. And we wanted to see that. I always told our two sons, I would rather them be on the other side of the world in the will of God than to live next door to me in sin. And so we were desirous of them being in God's will. And so thank you, Christopher. It's just so good to, to see you in April and the kids. And, and of course, it was three families uh, that, that we gave up. Uh, to come over here, and uh, I, I see them all actively involved, and that's that's just a wonderful blessing. I hate Bobby couldn't be here this morning, uh, but that happens sometimes. And so we envisioned that, and now here you are today, so many years later, and God has done a great work, and look at the building. Wow, I, I'm just blessed by seeing what God has done here. And as He has brought you here to form a church to serve the living God. And that's our vision. And I was really blessed this year at camp because uh, y'all sent, I think, over 20 kids. And that was a tremendous blessing too as well. So, we didn't have a church close by. Now we do. We didn't have a youth group to go with us to camp from this area. Now we do. And that's exciting to me. And it's exciting as well as I saw all those children come down here because I see youth camp. Amen. Not only have I pastored 29 years, Indicator, I've been to youth camp uh, 30 times in a row. You say, well, how did that happen? Well, I came to the church and we went to camp right after I got to, to the church. And matter of fact, uh, Deborah was there in the church before I got to the church. And so... Uh, it's been a great journey, and I won't bore you with all that, but it means a lot to me. And, and it's, I'm so blessed to see uh, the families here that we gave up grounded and going far for God, and you here too as well. And I'm, I believe God has great and exciting things for y'all. Now, the Bible says this. I want to read this to you from Proverbs. Now, this is not where I'm going to preach from, but kind of... To think about as we get into the message this morning. The Bible says in Proverbs 15.30, Good news makes you feel better. Did you get that? So if you're not feeling too good this morning, hang on. Amen. Good news makes you feel better. Your happiness will show in your eyes. Your happiness will show in your eyes. Now I've got some good news for you this morning. It's not from me, but it's from the Lord. And He always has good news for us. So turn to the person next to you and say, Get ready for some good news. 
Now tell them, I'm going to check your face as we leave. <laughs> Good news shows up, or your happiness shows up in your face. Second uh, Samuel this morning, chapter 22. I want to share a word with you this morning. Uh, I am blessed today to be able to come and and Pastor Marshall talked to me about us swapping, and I thought that was really neat. And I'm so blessed that Justin and Cassie are back in this area, and we're thankful that they're here and, and on board helping y'all uh, too as well. Now, if y'all don't mind, I kind of do an Old Testament thing when I preach. If you will stand as I read the Word of God. In the Old Testament, they stood when they read the Word. And I know everybody doesn't do that, and that's okay. But that's just kind of something I've always done. And, and so you're kind to go along this morning. Second Samuel chapter 22. The title of the message is this, mor- this morning is Believing But Not Trusting. Believing But Not Trusting. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 22 of 2 Samuel, And David spoke unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. The God of my rock, in Him I will trust. Father, today, we thank You for Your Word. I thank You today that You have given us Your Word to to stand on. You've given us Your Word to grow on. You've given us Your Word to enlighten us, to give us a greater revelation of who You are. And I'm thankful today for Your gift of Jesus into our world. And I thank You, Jesus, that You came in obedience unto the Father. That You gave Your life that we might have life. And we're thankful, sweet Holy Spirit, that You're here this morning, right now, in this place, to make it real. And Lord, I pray that You would anoint our eyes to be able to see things we couldn't see in the natural. And I pray that You would anoint our ears to hear things we wouldn't be able to hear in the natural. Lord, I thank You for this church. I pray for Pastor Marshall as he preaches in a few minutes at FIMC. And Lord, it just does my heart good to see a vision come together as I look at this church. Now Lord, we want to hear from You today. We need a word from heaven. We don't need a word from a man. I don't pretend to know anything, Lord. But I pray that You would anoint me right now. Give me the words for these precious people this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. And you can be seated. Believing, but not trusting. You might say, what do you mean? Well, it's kind of like this. As I look at these wonderful chairs y'all have, I can look at those and I can believe that's a chair. I look at it and I see it and I believe that's a chair. And by looking at that chair intently, I see I can trust that chair to sit in. But there are some chairs that I have seen that I knew were a chair and I believed it was a chair, but I certainly wasn't going to sit in it because I could see that the chair was not good enough to hold me up. Let me give you another example that might be a little bit better. Uh, I love to fish and I've been been in the water a lot uh, during my life. And I've seen a lot of boats. And I believed it was a boat because of the shape of it. 
And uh, because of some other things, a motor on the back uh, and some things like that. But I've seen some boats I didn't trust to get me across the water. Amen? Amen. So I believe it was a boat, but I didn't trust it to get me across the water. And I'll tell you this story when we get started. Me and my pastor went fishing down in uh, Mississippi. And the crappie were biting real well. Uh, some people call them white perch, but the crappie were biting real world well. So we left early that morning, about 4.30 in the morning, right? And he's got this little bitty Toyota truck in this big boat. He was back in the little bitty Toyota trucks that they first come out with, the y'all women this morning. And so we're headed down through that. It's real early in the morning. I'm trying to get away. And we're kind of in that little truck going down Interstate 20. And there was a bump. And he said, what was that? And I said, I don't know, man. I'm about half asleep. Well, he said, take that flashlight and turn around and look. And so I turned around and I shined the light back there. And I was looking in the back of the truck because I thought maybe, you know, the tackle box, something like that, you know, turned over. And all of a sudden, I said, well, I don't know what it is. He said, where's the boat? <laughs> and I lit the flashlight up a little bit on that trailer. And I said, it's not on the trailer. Amen. And so he turned the truck around on I-20 and we started going the wrong direction. And I said, man, what are you doing? You can't do this. He said, we got to find the boat. And so, you know, 4.30 in the morning, thank the Lord not many people out there. So that boat was on Interstate 20. Now, I believe it was a boat, but at that point, I wasn't sure that I was going to trust that boat to carry us any way that day fishing. So when we got there, I told him, I said, you back the boat in here. But I said, don't throw me out in the water till we find out this boat's going to leak. It scratched all the paint off the bottom of it. So he backed in there real easy. And as soon as he got in there, I started hollering, man, the boat's filling up with water. He shot out there right quick. I said, I'm just kidding. Let's go fishing. <laughs> so you understand what I'm saying this morning when I tell you we believe things a lot of times but we may not trust it. And that is how we do God sometimes. And throughout the life of King David, and this is at the end of his life, this is also penned in Psalm 18. David tells us three key things here if you want to jot them down. He says, God is my rock, He is my fortress, and He is my deliverer. Now listen to me, church. This is the end of David's life. He has learned this. See, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And for you to trust God, God is going to allow you to be in some situations and go through some things so He can get you to that place where you really trust Him. Because you notice at the end of the text I read you, David said, I will trust you. See, God wants to get you to that point. There's a lot of people that believe there's a God. But they don't trust Him with their life. There's a lot of people that believe somewhere out there in the universe, there's a God that exists that created everything that your and I, my eyes behold. But they do not trust Him with their life. And see, what happens in life is God allows things to happen so He can get you to that place where you really, really, really trust Him. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 5, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He'll what? Direct your path. But He can't direct your path till you trust Him. He really can't. It's just like that boat. 
I can see it's a boat. I can believe it's a boat. But I will not know if I can trust that boat till I get in that boat and take a journey across that river or across that creek or whatever I'm going to try to cross. But see, David says something here. He says, The Lord is my rock. Now, notice what that means. A rock is the foundation. He says, God is my foundation. This is a marvelous building, y'all got a marvelous building. When I pulled up, I thought, wow, that is a big building. I came in, wow, this is a nice room. And God is blessing y'all here. But no matter how big, listen to me now, no matter how big a building is, somewhere there's a cornerstone. It doesn't matter. The Twin Towers. The Lord just building in the world. You can't just start building over here in the middle. I can't just say, Christopher, uh, you start on that wall right there. Justin, you start on that wall right there. Marshall, you start on that wall. And I'll start on this wall. Somewhere we'll meet. That's going to be a messed up building. <laughs> folks, our lives are messed up. Because we don't have a cornerstone to connect to. See, Jesus is the cornerstone of my life. Everything happened, and Christopher talked about it this morning, about that point in that service where he came down and made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ with his life, and it was a turning point of his life. Well, that happened for me in Vicksburg, Mississippi on an August night in 1983. When I knelt down that night and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, and nobody was there, me and Jesus, there was a host of people that God had used to get me to that place. And that night, a cornerstone was laid. And I had no idea what He was going to build. And David, somewhere in his life, somewhere when he was a young shepherd boy, there was a time when he knelt down and accepted the Lord and made the Lord the rock of his life. And that's how he was able, when a bear came and tried to take the sheep to slay the bear, and then a lion came and he slayed the lion. And later on, you'll remember the story we all learned about it uh, in the early years of our life if we went to church about him and the big giant. And he said, the battle's not mine, it's who? The Lord's. Why? Because he went into that valley with a rock. There was a source that ran back. And Peter said this, the Lord is trying to build a church. He's trying to build a church stone by stone. And you and I are those lively stones, but we're not the cornerstone. I'm not the cornerstone. I never pretend to be the cornerstone. I'm just a little rock somewhere along the way. But thank the Lord, I'm in the wall somewhere. And I know where my roots are. My roots are not to a man. My roots are to the man. My roots are to the cornerstone. And that's what David is saying to you and I. He says, the Lord is my rock. Listen to what he says in verse 4. Let's pick it up. He says, I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Now that song's going to your mind right now. Amen. You got it going right now. Now you know where it came from. Uh, Psalm 18 and right here. He says, I will call upon the Lord because He saved me from my enemies. Folks, we have a lot of enemies. And it's not just the liberal world that's trying to take God out of everything. The devil was here before the liberals. 
And the devil from the garden has been trying to take God out. And see, the key is this. Jesus said, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you don't build your life on the solid rock, the enemy is going to come and he's going to steal, he's going to kill, and he's going to take away from you the blessings of God and what God could do in your life. So David said, I called on the Lord. And He delivered me from my enemies. And, and enemies come in many ways. And David had many different ways that enemies come. But listen to this. Another enemy in verse 5 that the Hebrew writer said Jesus took care of. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of the ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, listen, when you think about death, it's distressful sometimes. Even the godly of godly. Why? Because we don't know much about death. Why? Because we were never created to die. You know why death is so hard for us? We weren't created to die. We're going through something we were never created to go through. So we show up at the funeral and we know the person was saved and they're in heaven, but yet we still don't know what to do because they were here yesterday and now they're gone. And David said, Death is all around me. And David was a great warrior. He'd seen many die. And yet he knew in his heart that there was a hell. And there is still a hell today. That was never created for man because the angels existed before man. And when they failed and, and the devil failed, God created hell for them so it was never created for man. But David knew there is a hell. And he knew without a rock, that was his destination. He says, death is all around me. He said, but the Lord is my rock. He's my stay. Listen, folks, when everything else is gone, Jesus will be. Amen. When everything else fails, Jesus will be. And David found that out because David had been through many trials in his life. He said, in my distress, you've got to get verse 7, I love this. He said, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried to my God and He heard my voice out of His temple. And my cry entered His ear. I like that now. Let me tell you all why I like that. Because our God's got an ear to hear. Amen? He's got eyes to see. That's what the prophet said. He said, all them gods y'all been carving out, they can't hear, they can't see. I don't know about y'all, but I don't need a God I got to make. I need a God to make me. Amen? Can I get amen this morning? I don't need a God I got to tote around and put in the car and, and ask Him to help me. If you got to tote your God around everywhere you go, you don't have God. Amen? Listen to me. David said, I cried, and, and the voice, my voice went into the ear of the Lord. Do you know in the book of Revelation, it says that, that there is a vessel in heaven I love it that every prayer that's ever been prayed is in heaven do you understand that's how much the Lord loves to hear your voice he saved all the prayers of all the people since Adam even the short ones help <laughs> amen he's that kind of God he loves you more than you can imagine he loves you more than a mother loves her more than the daddy loves his child. He loves you today. It's inconceivable how much God loves you. But the good news is you can experience it this 
hang on? He says, I have a rock. You think about those times that David went through. And you think about all that. And you think about, he says, the Lord heard me. I want you to know something today. There's a rock that you can trust with your life. You can trust Him to tell you where to go to school. You can trust Him to tell you who to marry. You can trust Him to tell you where to work. You can trust Him to tell you what house to buy. You can trust Him to tell you what investments to get involved in. You can trust Him to tell you what car to buy. Because see, it's all His anyway. The parable of the steward, you're just a steward of it. Everything I have today, I'm just a steward. I'm just the manager of it. He owns it. And so David said, He is my rock. I cried to Him and He heard me. Secondly, this morning, He says this. He says He's my fortress. Now, folks, understand what a fortress is. A fortress was the inner part of an army of that day. Now, you think about that. Because that's where the king was. You remember David had 30-something mighty men that circled him. And then the other army circled him. Now, how great a fortress would that be? Now, what David's trying to relate to us today, and it's kind of hard for us to grasp here, is that God is my strength. He's my fortress. When I don't have any strength, when I don't have any protection, when I don't, when I don't have any of those things in my life, God is my fortress. Listen to him elaborate on that. You read this whole chapter. I don't have time to preach the whole chapter to you this morning, but drop down to verse 17. He says, He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. Another translation says, He drew me out of deep waters. Anybody ever heard that old expression? He's in deep waters. Amen. I may be going back a little bit, okay? So you young people, hang on, all right? But what does it mean to be in deep water? What happens when you get in deep water? You can't touch the bottom no more, right? You're out of control. Everything's out of your control at that point because you're in deep water. You say, well, I I can swim. Not forever. Amen? And so think about it. He's saying, God is my fortress. God is my strength. I've been in some deep water. You know, David really failed. I'm glad I didn't make the Bible. Aren't you? Yes. Did you grasp what I just said? I'm glad God's through writing the Bible and He's not going to put my life in here. Amen. Amen. David, bless his heart, his whole life was laid out before us. And we've got this man who, who, as I said, found the Lord early in his life, found him to be a rock. He slew a, a lion. He slew a bear. He slew a giant. He subdued a kingdom. He acted with great integrity toward King Saul. And Saul wanted to kill him, but he didn't retaliate. He waited on God, and God put him where he wanted him to be. And then he got in deep water. Do you understand nobody is beyond sin, but you don't have to sin. You choose where you go. David didn't just like a fish out of water flop over there in the bed with Bathsheba. No joke. David was backslid before that happened. Because it says 
in the book of Samuel when kings went out to battle that David stayed behind. And when you stop the battle, you're fixing to fall. Amen. When you stop, there's this old song that says, keep on the firing line. You may not have never heard it. I hear it song in old camp meetings when I go preach them. And, and uh, what a wonderful song, keep on the firing line. Because as soon as you get off that firing line, the devil's going to get you blindsided and you're going to fail in David's favor. David not only committed adultery with Bathsheba, she became pregnant because the Bible says, uh, whatsoever a man is sore, that shall what also reap. So he tried to cover up his sin by getting Uriah to come back in. Now stay with me quickly, but he wouldn't go home with his wife. He said, how can I go home and sleep with my wife when all my brothers are in battle? See, he's acting with the same integrity David once had. David even gets him drunk, tricks him, but he still won't go so David writes a note because he knows he's dealing with a man with integrity and he wouldn't read it. And he hands him the note that says to Joab, the captain, put Uriah in the heat of the battle and back away from him and have him killed. And he's such a man of integrity that he doesn't even open the note. He tears his own death note. And David watches him leave. What happened to David? What happened to that man after God's own heart? What happened, y'all? Let me tell you something. Sin will change you. Right now, as you sit in this building this morning, either the Lord Jesus Christ is changing you or sin is changing you. You say, well, I'm kind of neutral. No, you're not. You can't be neutral. Because as our brother said over here, is we're growing. And you're either growing colder and changed by sin like David. And he had himself in, in deep water. Well, what does he do? He says... The calamity was all around me, but the Lord was my support. He said, He brought me forth also into a large place, and He delivered me because He delighted in me. You know, God doesn't like sin, but He loves us. And no matter how deep you may be in sin this morning, no matter how something may have a hold on you and how bad you mess something up, you can't mess something up enough for the Lord not to love you. See, there's a verse that says this. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. I mean, He loves you. And he loves people you don't want Him to love. Amen? I mean, let's just be honest this morning. He loves people we don't want Him to love. I mean, we, we, we know that as we read through the Scripture. And, and we see that He's loved all these people over here, but the children of Israel didn't like that. Right? What about Jonah? What about Jonah? He didn't want to go over there and preach. God loved those people, but he didn't want to go over there and preach. You certainly want to have a band just like that come to your church. He came and preached the worst sermon in the Bible. Seven words. He said in 40 days, God's going to destroy the city. He didn't tell them about grace. He didn't tell them about love. He didn't tell them about repentance. And he went up on a hill waiting for God to burn him up. And most people miss the fourth chapter of Jonah. Never read it. Not in the children's book. Because he's up on the mountain just as mad as he can be at God. He's in deep water. But who comes to him? The Lord does. And ask him why he's mad. Just like uh, he did Cain. Why are you mad? The Lord's asked me that question before. Why are you mad? I didn't want to answer. Because I knew I wasn't supposed to be mad. Amen. At church, both David. And we see Jonah in deep water here. 
problem. The Bible closes with John still mad at God. We don't know what happened here. That's terrible. He's mad because people got saved. Why? Because God loves people. God loves you this morning. No matter where you're at, He loves you and He wants to get you out of that deep water. And He got David out. I'm telling you today, I was witnessing to a young girl last night. I, I had to run to Walmart to get something, and God did a God thing, and there she was, and I was witnessing to her, and she said, I, I got a situation I can't get out of. I said, there's no such thing. Amen. There's no such thing, because we've got strength in our life. And see, God delivered David, and that's the last one I want to share with you this morning. He said, not only is God my rock, my foundation, my fortress, my strength, but He is my deliverer. Think about that. He's my deliverer. Drop down to verse 29 right quick. Thou art my lamp. What does a lamp do? When you get yourself somewhere you can't get out. You know, I imagine it's like, you know, you're somewhere and the lights go out. Or you're somewhere and all of a sudden your flashlight goes out. I remember one time I went out, uh, we got some chickens. My wife likes some chickens. And so, we, I don't know if y'all know much about chickens, but if you keep them in the house, if you let them out, they'll go back in wherever they roost. I keep asking all the time, how do you get them chickens back in that house? I said, you don't have to. And they get start getting dark, they're going to go in the house. Well, they went back in the house and I went out to shut the door and the door went to shut Someone's holding it up at the top. And I thought, oh man, I got a snake in here. So I went and got a light because it was already dark. I waited too late to go shut it. And it was dark. And I went in there uh, with a hoe. Y'all know what a hoe is, amen? It's what you want the dark out with. And so I went in there with a hoe. And I went through the door and I turned around. And showed up, there was about a six foot chicken snake laying across the rafters up there. I have a flashlight here and I had the hole here. So I yanked him down and I chopped at him and that flashlight went out. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to deliver and I needed the light to light the way. Amen. Y'all ever been there? I mean, the city's outside the chicken house screaming, What are you doing? I'm thinking the same thing. That's one. I don't know what I'm doing. It's dark. I don't know where the door is. I don't know the way out of the situation I have got myself into. Is anybody hearing me preach this morning? I don't know a way out of the situation I've got myself into. David had killed a man and he committed adultery. But God had a way out. He sent the prophet to him. He told him a story, you'll remember. At the end of the story, David said, that man should die. And the prophet looked him right in the eyes with all the love of God you could ever imagine and say, you're the man. I've been the man. God really delivered me. Praise God. From a bad life. Thank you, Jesus. He really did. We had five awful years of marriage. God was unsaved. I was a drunk. On that night, Jesus delivered me. I didn't know a way out. You know, people talk about the sinner's prayer. And that's a good prayer to pray. But my prayer that night was just simply, Lord, if you can get me out of this mess, I'll serve you. 
he did not have to my best ability. David got himself in a mess. He says, For thou art my lamp, O Lord, the Lord that lighteth the darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop. By my God I have leaped over a wall. There's your another song. As for God, he, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. Listen to this verse. You say, why should I trust God in my life? Because first of all, His way is perfect. And then the word of the Lord is tried, and He is my buckler to all them that trust Him. You know what? God's way is perfect. And probably you've never imagined how God's going to work things out. Do you know, I grew up in church, and I never sat in church and thought, you know, one of the days I'm going to be up by preaching. <laughs> no. All I ever was waiting on that, our pastor to say, because they always had this one thing they did at the end. That's all I was waiting on to say, because I knew we fixed to be out there. I never got saved as a young child. Never got saved as a teenager. I was 23 years old before I got saved. And nobody's fault. I just kept rejecting God, rejecting God, rejecting God. But see, David says it this way. He says his way is perfect. And it wasn't long after I got saved, three months after I got saved, three months after I walked out of bars and honky-tonks, three months after I quit drinking whiskey, God said, I want you to preach. And I, I remember I was sitting on this side of the church that night, and all of us stood up front. I, wanted, I didn't want to miss anything that I was doing. And I literally thought, I think I just heard God talking to the guy next to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious now. I mean, you know, it kind of sounds like a joke, don't it? Mean? But I, I said, hey, man, I think God called me to preach. He said, I didn't say anything to me. <laughs> I said, well, I know you ain't talking to me. I'm not well educated. I got a family. I'm working for the real. I got a great job. <coughs> and I kept telling God all those things that He kept saying, My way is perfect, son. My way is perfect. And three years later, we moved to a place we'd never heard of in our life. And we've been there 29 years, and it's been the joy of my life. I've never asked to preach anywhere. So it's okay if you're called to preach. It's okay that you do that. That's fine. I've never asked to preach anywhere. And I've preached all over the United States and in Ecuador. I mean, I pick up the phone and God says, somebody said, God, I made you on. Can you come preach the Bible? I'm like, yeah, we can work it into the schedule. Because God just keeps opening doors. And, and what am I saying about myself? I'm not saying anything that I start trusting God and His plans. And I found out it's perfect because that was a pinnacle point, just like Christopher testified this morning. That was a pinnacle point in my life when I was established on the rock. And then I found God to be my strength. And He's delivered me out of situations. And I found His plan to be perfect because I, as I walk in His plan, I, I'm just so blessed. Amen. I mean, I can't even tell you how blessed I am right now. Because of being in God's perfect plan. Let's finish this up. He says, For who is God save the Lord? What he's saying there literally is, Who is God save Yahweh? Who is a rock save God? God is my strength and power. 
He maketh my way perfect. Let me say something to you as we close out this morning. God's way for you today is perfect. You may not understand this. I don't understand how God's coming. And let me give you a little illustration. <clears throat> we just had a situation in, a, in our church. Imagine that. But uh, we just had a situation where a lady had to step down and just started leading a Beth Moore series in our church. I mean, just started one week. Before that happened, I got a call last Monday after the first class. The lady scheduled to come in. I talked to the secretary because we always have a lady present when I talk with ladies. She came in and she said, Pastor, God is calling me to do something, but I don't know what it is. I said, Well, God does. I don't. I'm not that pastor that says, Okay, well, you know, okay. here's where we need people right now. We need people right now. We need people on here, people on here. I've learned you don't plug people in any way to that job. I said, I don't know where, but I said, God knows. And so we prayed and left it at that. And then Friday night, I Called her and I said, you know what? God was ahead of us. You know why? Because his plan is perfect. God saw this field. God saw you in this field. See, God don't look ahead and just sees. He's not confined to time. He sees you right where you're at right now, and he knows where he's trying to get you. And to dot to get those dots where they need to be, you gotta learn that he's your rock. You gotta learn he's your strength. You gotta learn he's your deliverer. And when it doesn't seem a way out, there's always a way. When there is no plan, there is a plan. Because I heard an old preacher say this one time there's no panic in heaven, just plans. And God's got a plan for you. He loves you so much. And I could I could tell you you could kick your shoes off and sit back in that in that chair, and I could tell you story after story after story after story. Where I was in situations or ministering to people in situations where there was no visible way out. God made a way. David ends up in his life. I won't leave you where David was. The prophet said, You're the man. And the best thing you can say to God is, Yes, I am. You're not where you ought to be. Yes, sir, you're right. You're not in the Word like you should. Yes, sir, you're right. You're not in prayer like you Yes, sir, you're right. You're not serving me where I've given you talents to serve me. Yes, sir, you're right. And then we find Psalm 51 where David prayed his prayer of repentance and God turned things around for him. When David doesn't die in the Bible as a murderer and as an adulterer, he dies as a man after God's own. I'm telling you, I would run around this building right now because that's what's God. <laughs> because He's the one that makes us. He's the one that molds us. He wants to do that for you today. You say, well, my sister's not. Jeremiah said it this way. Is anything too hard? You've got to get to that place where you 
move from just believing that he's out there somewhere to really walking on the water. Trust me. Let's stay.